everybody. Thanks for listening to the USL show sponsored by Roughneck Scarves, your home for U.S. national team, USL and MLS scarves, as well as custom scarves for your club or personal use. Definitely check them out at roughneckscarves.com. This podcast is also produced by the Beautiful Game Network podcast, which we are very proud to be a part of. Definitely check the whole network out at bgn.fm, as well as on Twitter at the BGNFM. Uh, as another aside, we should be available on every podcast network or or, uh, or service that you listen to: iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Podbean, uh, SoundCloud. I think if it's not where you usually get your podcast, let us know, and we'll we'll try to work out a deal to get us up there. I'm Evan Blow, your host, joined sometimes by my soccer colleagues, sometimes by my soccer acquaintances, but they're always my soccer friends. And for the next hour or so, I'll be your moderator, host, or maybe even your facilitator of a discussion with uh, with a couple of said soccer friends on their various Western Conference teams. Uh, first up, you're going to hear from Matt Pollard, who covers about seven different teams for Last Word on Soccer, which is also a beautiful Game Network podcast, as well as just kind of an outstanding website that do some great work. Um, so definitely feel free to check those guys out. Matt talks Los Dos or LA Galaxy 2 with me. Um, and that's a really good overview of the club and what they're all about and maybe why this year should be more like the last couple instead of their terrible last year that they had. Uh, and then from there, secondly, you will hear uh, friends of the show, Dave Clark, as well as our very own Kevin McCamish, who represent uh, Seattle Sounders 2 by way of, of uh, Sounder at Heart, the SB Nation blog, and uh, Portland Timbers 2 by way of Stumptown Footy. Also, another SB Nation blog, and that's a really cool dynamic. Those are two guys that have known each other for a long time, um, who are in fact friends, even though their uh, their two teams are diametrically opposed to each other. And uh, not only is there obviously good discussion about both those two sides, just because those guys have been around the teams since they've started, uh, but uh, especially you know Dave Clark, who's going to be on the broadcast team for Sounders too, and then Kev. Who, uh, who is familiar with the show and, and is a wealth of knowledge for Timbers too. Although, fair warning, at the time of recording, he was mad sick, so he's a little muffled and has kind of a, a very svelte, very white-ish voice going on. So uh, he's better. It's all good. When you hear him uh, next week with the core group of guys, when we talk about the first week for USL, he, he will sound more like himself. But until then, if you have any questions or anything, use the hashtag AskUSLShow. Or any other thoughts, anything like that, feel free to get in touch with one of us directly or the show Twitter itself. DMs should be open. If they're not, just uh, give us a shout and we'll uh, we'll get in touch with you. Anyway, until then, uh, enjoy your first week of USL action. Hope it's a good one. Hope your team wins. Hope your team loses. That's right. Different people talking to them. And, uh, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care, everybody. So uh, for the second time joining me, unfortunately... Uh, from last word on soccer uh, to talk the Los Angeles Galaxy two or less dose, if you will, it's uh, it's Matt Pollard. Matt, how's it going? Welcome. Thank you for being flexible, as uh, most people I find are, but it's always helpful. Thank you for having me, Evan. Um, I've been a big fan of the USL show for a number of years, both in the past iteration and what you and the new crew have really done, you know, in the last, you know, eight or nine months. So I'm excited to be here and hopefully we don't have any technical difficulties because, you know, I'm getting hacked by the uh, Cascadia guys we had in on Monday. Hmm. Yeah, that would do it. That would do it. So, um, oddly enough, I just talked to Drew Skundrich, who I think spent some time out with, with Los Dos this offseason uh, two, two nights ago. Um, but, you know, to back up a little bit, what is Los Angeles Galaxy 2 for people that might not be familiar and, and you know, some general background on the club? 
Absolutely. So LA Galaxy 2, otherwise known as Los Dos, are the MLS 2 team for LA Galaxy, five-time, you know, MLS Cup champions, you know, widely regarded as one of the super clubs of the league. Um, they are in their fifth year of existence. Uh, their first season was 2014. They are the first of the MLS 2 teams to exist in the modern era of USL. Um, their head coach is Mike Munoz. He was formerly the academy director for the LA Galaxy for the club. Um, he is in his second year of, uh, he's in his second year as head coach. Prior to that, it was Kurt Anolfo who started from them for their infancy. We won't go into what ended up happening to Kurt in his first year with the MLS team. Um, LA Galaxy in 2014 made the, uh, semifinals, lost to, um, Sacramento Republic, if I'm not mistaken. Um, they were the runner up in the final in 2015, um, and then, uh, were also made the playoffs in 2016 and did not make the playoffs last year. Um, as we see with a lot of these MLS2 teams, what goes on at the USL level is so dependent on how stable, how healthy, and how fit everything that the MLS team is doing. Um, the 2017 LA Galaxy season was... Um, turbulent to say the very least that caused a lot of turbulence down at the USL level and thus a very unsuccessful team you know with a first year head coach a bunch of academy kids who ended up getting cut um and then we won't discuss the black tuesday result that was you know the 9-0 <laughs> drubbing against uh Reno uh early in uh, halfway through the season that I think you know was pretty much a microcosm of how things went for Los Dos they've got a very different team going into the season um and we'll see if they can be a little bit more successful and competitive in what I think is going to be a very competitive and crowded uh western conference sure sure um yeah especially for you know it it seems like in the west there's three or four like really good teams um and then from there it's pretty wide open which is which is about really what the east is like there's a lot of kind of parody in usl as a whole um but but i digress yeah it's it's always a a fun fight for those last couple playoff spots in, in both conferences um so all that to say, you know, uh, I guess a, a twofold question. One, um, you know, what was it maybe in your mind about last year's Los Dos team that, that kind of, you know, made them not be as consistent as they as they normally have been? And then kind of on a broader scale, do you think that they get overlooked a little bit when people talk about successful relationships between MLS two sides and, and MLS clubs, you know, proper? Yeah, so first of all, looking at what went wrong last season, first of all, you had a first-year head coach, and Mike Munoz was the academy director. So he was sort of, you know, crudely, the at the academy level, he was a technical director or a general manager. He didn't really do a whole lot of coaching. This was his first level, you know, coaching professionals, you know, at any level. Um, he hadn't been an assistant coach for the LA Galaxy under Bruce Arena or Kurt Anolfo at any point. So I think he had some learning curves that he was dealing with. And then I think there was just on multiple levels a complete, misidentification or allocation of talent they had at the USL level. I think the LA Galaxy really had to have a coming together moment of understanding where their academy was, looking themselves in the eye and everything. You know, that resulted in, you know, a lot of heads rolling at the MLS level that resulted in significant changes in the MLS team. And I think that trickled down and a realization that a lot of the kids who, oh, they were good enough at the academy, we'll see what they do at the USL level, you know, just didn't really pan out. You know, they 
decline contract or they decline options on Rio Fuji, who's signed now um, with a Swedish team that I will not try to pronounce uh, on air. Uh, <laughs> Tyler Turner also had his contract uh, dis- uh, declined as well. Um, Josh Turnley had his contract expired, and then we saw you know a lot of the old guard from the low dose level get cut from the MLS team as Siggy Smith is just taking a very different approach to the academy system. So just because a guy you know was moderately impressive or above average at the academy level and then did good things at the uh, at the say you know where they played college that doesn't necessarily translate to they're going to come into usl they're going to kill it and then from there they're going to be successful in mls i think a lot of it was just to the uh old infrastructure that uh the club had in place and then just a total misuse of that whereas i think on the other side you know i think uh i was on with um one of my friends, Russ McKenzie, who covers the New York Red Bulls earlier this week on Last Word SC Radio, and we were talking about the dichotomy. You know, you can see, you know, a team that operates from the standpoint of we're going to develop kids but not teach them how to win, but then they don't mm. know how to win when they get to actually trying to mm. be competitive in USL or in MLS. Whereas, you know, the New York Red Bulls approach, and you know, we've seen what that's done. You know, for the for the uh, um, the uh, Tyler Adams of the world, the Ben Minders, sure. and everybody else, you know, over at the Baby Bulls. So I think I think there's been a, a coming together an understanding of what went wrong and what had been going wrong in the previous generation of academy players. We'll see mm. whether or not Siggy Smith, Chris Klein, you know, and the greater heads can trickle that information down to Mike Munoz and whether that can result in a better product on the field from a USL standpoint, as well as better development for the players trying to come up and make the MLS team. Um, to address your point on maybe the overlooking aspect of, um, you know, this is an MLS2 relationship, uh, I, I don't think there's the, the, bit, the worst kept secret in all of Los Dosland is the fact that the team in the past had been trying to win. They were absolutely focused on player development more so than actually fielding a competitive 11 or competitive 18 on the field. We'll see how much that changes with the new uh, leadership, you know, at the, you know, at the mother club and how that translates down to Mike Munoz. But, you know, I think LA Galaxy 2, you know, I think have gotten a little bit of a short end of the stick in terms of some of the talent development that they've done and just the way that they've sort of approached things. You know, they were the first MLS 2 team to come into existence. Um, they get, you know, a pretty decent, you know, attendance given the quality of their stadium and how crowded that market is. Now, two MLS mm-hmm. teams, you got, you know, OC uh, Blue, or not OC Blues, excuse me, Orange County SC, you know, just to the south of them in a really crowded market. I think they're doing as well as they can, all things considered. Um, and I think they are going to be a contributor um, they are a contributor to this league, and I do think that the league overall is better with Los Dos in existence, even if it's sure. not a Cincinnati, you know, a Sacramento, or even some of the uh, the more competitive MLS two teams. Yeah, and that's always a fun, you're, you're kind of an interesting distinction that I, that I feel like I have to to make to people um, almost instinctively, really. Uh, not so much that you know it's one of those things that I tell people because I don't think they they get it, but it's really one of those things where you know. Um, at least for, for Bethlehem's sake, I feel like I need to explain it to people because, you know, I don't want them to think like we're just here to develop players and that we don't care what happens on the field. Um, and it's that there's a difference between, you know, establishing a team that's built to win and having a team that's focused on player development, but that's full of guys that don't like to lose. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's one of those things where, Okay, your primary goal that you got from your top down is about player development, but you talk to those guys and they just lost two one or whatever, they're still pissed off about it. Mm-hmm, absolutely. You know, where where you, you can't tell those guys, Well, you're not here to win because that's not you know, you don't you don't play to lose, obviously. So it's 
Yeah, it's really interesting, and it's one of those things where, you know, for um, as good as it is for Red Bull, and more recently we've seen it with Bethlehem, and obviously Spoke Park and, and Real Monarchs are, are great examples. Really, you know, a lot of the MLS two teams that are still around this year are, are, are the good examples of what you or why you would do this or or what you should do when you have an MLS two team. Um, but it's it's because they're smart about building their team, and then they're smart about figuring out character guys that are going to help those guys develop, but also teach them, you know, what it means to be a professional soccer player. And part of that is, you know, winning. Absolutely, um, and I think I think we're seeing that a little bit in how Los Dos have gone about their offseason. You know, you look at any previous offseason or any signing by LA Galaxy 2 with an academy kit, you know, they love pointing out, you know, such and such joins as the 14th academy player on the roster for Los Dos joined by, and then, yes, and like naming this. all of those. And so, you know, to your point, you know, it says one thing when, you know, the academy kit is told, like, your job is to go out and be good for yourselves, but we don't really care about winning, we care about you having having a good performance and progressing that just puts them in a completely different mindset from, you know, a guy who's just on an, on a USL contract. And when I look at the roster and all the players that they brought in, it's not as many Academy kids. I think it's a higher quality. It's the cream of the crop of the Academy from the last couple of years and potentially who's going to be available getting loaned down from the mother club. But, you know, it's a lot of guys who are here for the USL two team. There was a really good quote after the, uh, at black Tuesday, um, last year for by Alejandro Covarrubias, who just signed with Fresno FC, um, who I believe was captain for that game, who came in and saying, you know, I, you know, I came here on a USL contract. Uh, you know, the gal, I'm trying to get into MLS, but the Galaxy don't have me there. I'm paraphrasing here. I didn't come sure. here to lose. I don't know what's going wrong, but we're trying to fix it. Now, if they ended up, you know, they didn't lose nine nothing at any other point through the rest of the season. But right, you know, right. I think you know, there's that mindset compared to how the academy kid is approaching it. And when you have a roster that's 50 or 75 percent academy kid it's hard to it's hard to be the outlier in the room and i think now you know they've really mm. surrounded it with a lot of young talent who i think is coming on with a chip on their shoulder or veteran players who are here to win and who i think are going to put the club is going to have a much healthier locker room atmosphere even if they end up being you know bottom of the table like they were in 2017 mm-hmm. yeah so i mean you know talk a little bit about that obviously you know there's there's academy kids coming and going and and um, as with with every MLS two side, there's you know first team guys coming and going, and and depending on when you know the Galaxy proper have their bye week, you know that week the two team might get flooded to keep guys you know fresh. Um, you know who are some of the guys on the USL level, or even some of the academy kids that that, that you'd look out for that you would point to as guys like that who are maybe on those you know, prove it deals from the from the first team or or maybe even, you know, kind of everyone's not exactly saying that USL is their ceiling, but it's uh, it's kind of the way it seems to be um, that you would look out for to, to really make an impact and maybe kind of make a, an impression and mentor some of those young kids. Yeah, well, first of all, I think LA Galaxy 2 are going to be much, much stronger up the middle. Um, In the attack, it's going to be the Justin Dillon and the Ethan Zubak show. Uh, both were rookies in USL last year off of their homegrown contracts. Um, A combined 10 goals and 5 assists between the two. Um, Justin Dillon did most of the scoring. Ethan Zubak was more of the produced the last pass. Justin Dillon was getting on the end of them. But Ethan Zubak led the team with 28 chances created. I'm going to expect them to be a little bit better, especially with the midfield feeding them a little bit more. The one guy everybody's going to talk about just because he's a teenager and like you've seen with Alfonso Davies, you know, with Whitecaps too or any of the other, you know, teenage Red Bull players, Efren Alvarez is going to be the one everybody's looking at. 15-year-old, I believe he turned
turned 16 in June. Um, he's the youngest player ever signed to the LA Galaxy. He beat out Jack McBean by just a couple of months for those of you who remember him. Um, so, you know, he's the one who I think is going to get a lot of hype when he does get loaned down for the mother club. He is officially on an MLS contract, but, you know, I, I think there's a good understanding of, you know, what's the question of, is it going to be better for him to train, you know, going up against, you know, MLS lover center backs, you know, playing with the Roman Alessandrinis and the Giovanni Dos Santoses of the world, or is it going to be better for him to get game minutes? So he could be one of those guys, like you just mentioned, you know, who might be spending, you know, Monday through Thursday with the first team, and then on Friday morning, he's with Los Dos, and then, you know, he's going to be in the 18 on Saturday. So he'll be in there. Um, another possible loney, Ariel Lassiter, the goal puppy. Um, uh, he might be another one, uh, potentially just with what's going on with the Galaxy forward system. Um, other big players to really look out for who are on academy deals or have affiliations with the first team, uh, Eric Lopez, he's a goalkeeper, um, 19-year-old, uh, U.S. Youth International, um, and then, uh, Nate Schultz, uh, right back out of uh, out of Akron University. He was a Galaxy draft pick. He was signed to Los Dos earlier, um, earlier, maybe this week, maybe last week. So those are kind of the uh, the LA Galaxy uh, ones with official affiliations to the MLS team took out for. Um, on the other side, guys who I'm really excited to see, uh, Miguel Aguilar, um, who is a former DC United draft pick. Uh, he tore his ACL in the home opener last season and then missed almost the entire season. I think he came back for like the second to last or the last game. He's going to be attacking midfielder. His ACL is completely healed up. I think he's going to add so much stability to the middle of the field and you know, he was signed to an MLS team. He's going to want to try and get back there, so he's going to be mm -hmm. hungry to prove himself at the USL level. Um the Galaxy also have added a couple young African players um I hope I'm pronouncing these all correctly. Uh, Jeffrey Achimpong, he's a Ghanaian center midfield, really, really box-to-box -box style player. And then two guys out of the Kaji Sports Academy out of Kenya, I believe. Uh, Andre Ulrich Sanga, he's a 19-year-old wide midfielder. Um, and then a center back, uh, John Joseph Angola, 20-year-old uh, out of Cameroon, also from the Kaji Sports Academy. Um, the LA Galaxy have a really good affiliation that they're starting to build now um, with some of these African academies. Emma Boateng, who's on the MLS team, is from the Right to Dream Academy, who some uh, mm -hmm. who some listeners might be familiar with. So I think they've added a good balance of young players from outside USL who are coming in and trying to make a name for themselves. Maybe not for the Galaxy, but I think some of them are seeing this as a potential audition for another USL team, you know, in future contracts, possibly getting an MLS or going back to their native countries. Um, and I think the Academy kids are certainly coming in with a healthy standpoint. You know, Justin Dillon and Ethan Zubak have, you know, a crowded forward core filled with DPs and TAM level players if they're going to try and make the MLS team they're going to have to absolutely kill it at the USL level. You know, uh, Jack McBean went on loan to Coventry City for the second half of the season, and he still ended up finishing third in the Golden Boot in USL two, three mm -hmm. years ago. So if those guys want to try and do better than what Jack McBean did, you know, they're going to have to put in 10, 15 goals minimum each. So I think they're definitely going to be hungry, and I think they have they have a much healthier just situation in terms of guys who are here to win, not guys who are here to play and then sort of be bodies to allow the academy kids to have an exercise. Sure. Um, and then real quick, just because it's a really cool thing, and I'm glad you brought it up, um, the uh, the Right to Dream Academy, um, another guy who immediately, and, and I'll call it a Philadelphia Union bias, but uh, David Akam came up through there, um, as well as Josh, Josh Yarrow and uh, Muhammad Abu. So um, if you don't know what it is, uh, literally all you have to do is just Google Right to Dream, or I'll just plug them, righttodream.com. Um, read up on that because it's it's just a terribly terribly interesting thing um, in a good way. Yes. That's, that's a w weird adjective to use, but it is it is really really cool. 
um, to see that relationship. And honestly, um, USL over the last two or three years has become kind of a hotbed for players coming over from, from Africa and even the Caribbean and, and things like that, where, um, you know, some MLS teams aren't super eager to give them a shot in MLS right away. Um, but they'll, they'll kind of germinate in USL for a couple of years and, and then, you know, um, I mean, Dane Kelly comes to mind immediately as a guy, Corey Burke, Deshaun Brown, um, who've made a jump recently up to MLS. So it's, uh, it's, it's really cool to see, um, the U.S. kind of, you know, pay attention to those areas a little more. Um, on a Los Dos kind of vibe or, or to stick with the theme, um, you know, what are the matchups? I know there's a lot more teams around you guys now than there was, you know, last year even. Um, what are kind of the rivalries that are built in already, or just what are some teams that you're looking forward to facing, you know, um, in this in this season? Yeah, well, I think you know, first of all, you got to go the SoCal NorCal one, so got to throw out Sacramento Republic out there. I believe the first ever video they put out after they were announced as an expansion team had them with a fake mock-up video with actors and scoring in like the 90th minute, and the opposing team was wearing white with blue and gold accents. So definitely, they started off by throwing shade at the LA Galaxy. So I got to throw one in there, um, and then you know, just because they're an immediate rival, and now they have an official affiliation with you know the uh, the enemies across the way at the MLS level <laughs> got to throw that out other team Yes, that other team. That other team that is currently undefeated in Major League Soccer with a plus six goal differential, LAFC. Yes. So got to throw out, um, you know, Orange County Soccer Club as well. Um, so, you know, I think those are kind of the two ones. But, you know, I'm just really interested to see, you know, there's kind of a, a good California vibe going on now. You know, you've got Fresno and everything. So I think, you know, there's a, a nice healthy rivalry of a cluster of teams where, you know, maybe in previous iterations of it, you know, it was Los Dos and it was Sacramento. So it's going to kind of yeah. be nice to have a little bit of a group to sort of have that uh uh, you know, mutual self-loathing, so to speak, in way, you know, a lot of the Northeastern teams mm-hmm. will get together and dislike us. You know, you might be able to speak to how all the Pennsylvania teams interact with each other. So I think it's yeah. going to be a healthy makeup. And, you know, I think one thing that's definitely going to benefit the team, lots of shorter road trips. You know, you talk about yes. how big the East is, you know, in terms of North to South and everything. But, you know, LA Galaxy 2 are on about as far a corner as you can be and still be in the Western Conference. So, you know, the, you know, it, people don't realize that, you know, it takes a solid seven hours to drive from Los Angeles to Sacramento or you got about an hour flight. So it's going to be nice to have some shorter bus trips for the team, especially on those long USL road trips. Sure. Um, you know, and then, and then maybe talk a little bit about the, the other new guys coming in. Um, one who's actually a new team in Las Vegas where I think people are, um, at least at the moment, a little more interested in kind of, and, and I don't blame them at all, um, in kind of the off-the-field antics, and the kit got a lot of buzz, and they just dropped their away kit, which looks a million times better. Um, and, and, of course, Llama Gate, if you will, you know, but, but at the end of the day, they're a soccer team that has to play soccer games. Um, you know, how do you feel about those guys? And then, and then the other one, obviously, St. Louis, coming back who i know you're familiar with on a, on a personal level as well so this works out great um you know a team that went obviously two years ago they were in the western conference last year they they bumped back over to the east uh I, you know i know um phil grooms obviously wanted them to stay out in the east and it's a little bit less of a travel and it just kind of makes a little more sense for them to stay in the east and they they had a ton of momentum with Pulis coming in um, you know, but now they're over back on the Western Conference and, and, you know, it's, it's not a great stretch of road trips for them. Uh, but at the same time, you know, all the other Western Conference teams have to go out to Missouri and, and, uh, and play them on the road as well. So. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's start with Las Vegas lights. Um, I would say they're extremely gimmicky um, in a Las Vegas True. way. Um, and actually, yes. I kind of love it. I was talking with a friend uh, when I found out about Llamagate because um, I was bringing up uh, <laughs> the fact that uh, Chelise, who's their head yes. coach, who does not speak English, he was actually the head coach of uh, of um, uh, Chivas USA for a time. Um, and then he had a whole bunch of banter towards the LA Galaxy when he was there for only about six months or so. And he mentioned, you know, uh, a draw that they got against the LA Galaxy. It's sometimes you are in a barrel of manure and finally you are able to get above the fray and take a deep breath, so to speak. So, you know, I don't know how much of that was English translations, but like this guy in terms of insane quotes is going to be the Rex Ryan of USL. So, you know, like Las, Las Vegas Lights to me is like the answer to the question, you know, what if you had the internet design a USL expansion team? Mm. Um, so I think they're going to be hilarious. I don't know how good of a soccer team they're going to be. You know, they just signed you know, Freddie you doing everything, but hey. if there's any insider videos on them, some equivalent of hard knocks or, you know, uh, yes. like the, what's the other NFL one, uh, all or nothing, I think, yeah, you know, if yeah. there was anything like that, you know, I would totally, I would watch every second of that and they're going to be, they're going to be like in a soap opera, really, really fun to watch regardless yeah. of how good of a team that uh, they are. So, um, not, not that I would, would advocate smoking in any form uh really but in all the in all the 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 ruckus and the fray not only did Shalice uh get sent off during a preseason game he decided to to sit in the stands and have a smoke um which is uh, you know not a great example to kids but not worrying about that as someone that doesn't have any amazing Yes. Um, so you're dead on. I would love to see an all or nothing or a hard knocks or even just a mic'd up with Chelis. And I know the English wouldn't be there, but it doesn't need to be there. Absolutely. Um, I'll tell one more <laughs> Chelly story just because this Please. is totally random and I think it fits in with his personality that's going to give the listeners a good sense of what they're getting. Um, Chivas USA's, his debut with them at the MLS level was a road game at Chicago Fire. Um, this was back when the fire were bad. So, you know, it was a really, it was a really, really poor game, mm. really windy game, um, at Bridgestone. Yes. Um, so, you know, there were, there might have been 7,000 people there, really windy, like first or second weekend in March. Not a fun place to be, you know, for the opening of a soccer game, let alone a soccer season. Um, and so, uh, Chivas are playing absolutely terribly. Chicago Fire get a goal early. They're going in the 90 minutes. They throw on a guy who was a young MLS rookie at the time, Kubo Torres, who was then with the Houston Dynamo and, you know, got sold for a bunch of money to Mexico this offseason. Um, and he's talking to Kubo and he says, come on, you can score. We just need a moment of good luck um and then I have a friend who was there who saw a dollar bill that flew out of a lady's uh, uh, wallet in the fur in in the in the closing minutes of it was blowing around on the field for probably about a minute minute and thirty seconds. It blows towards the Chivas bench and then sort of gets stuck with the wind blowing it against Chelise's leg. He reach he looks down to see it. He picks it up. He looks to the heavens. He kisses it. Puts it in his pocket. Two seconds later, Chivas are taking a corner. Kubo scores scores on a header. Stoppage time at the death. They end up stealing a point. So what you're saying is he's clairvoyant. Yes, he he is clairvoyant okay, and great. he is insane great. and he says absolutely crazy things in Spanish that, regardless of how well they're translated to English, are going to be amazing. 
Yeah, it wouldn't really matter how well they're translated at that point because they're kind of just insane anyway. Yes. So then let's this get to good. yeah, let's let's get to St. Louis FC. Um, yeah. I I agree with Phil. You know, if you're gonna have uneven conferences, you know, put a team in a situation to be better. I feel like all the fun road trips and all the fun rivalries that St. Louis FC had were going to be in the East. You know, um, I'm calling in from Denver, Colorado. I cover the the Rapids locally, so selfishly, I'm happy that I get to see them. You know, when they come to play Colorado Springs Switchbacks, sure. but overall, I don't know that it's better for the team but like you said you know there's a you know there's a, an upper class i think of you know maybe three or four teams in the west i think in terms of st louis fc actually trying to make the playoffs for the first time in their existence i think the west might actually be a little bit better for them yes you know i'd, I'd say that i'm optimistic but you know if we we're going back to last offseason you know like what would you want they had the dream offseason with Precky and all the signings they had and look how it turned out so i am i'm cautiously optimistic and i'm not getting my hopes up it you know to sure you know it, it hashtag it's back on sarcastically <laughs> yeah no that was the only kind of silver and it's a huge silver lining but that was the only silver lining that we saw when they announced st louis would be switching over is that there's 10 or 11 just playoff teams in the eastern conference and some of those teams just aren't going to make it you know and depending on on you know how they play against the other you know quote unquote playoff teams and things like that and St. Louis would have been towards the bottom, middle bottom of that group. And now that they're in the West, you know, and, and that doesn't take away anything that the, the other teams in the Western Conference have done or, or it doesn't diminish what St. Louis did in the offseason because they were really aggressive and it worked out for them. Um, but they're, you know, easily a playoff team. And if they're not this season, something incredibly wrong happened. Yeah, I think this is, you know, we'll we'll see what happens. You know, this is going to be their third coach in four seasons, but I think that this sure. is possibly Jeremy Alamba's, the general manager's, you know, last head coach opportunity. I don't know that yes. they necessarily need to win this season, but they there needs to be some semblance of hope in doing things. You know, I'll I'll give them a pass on their first year, 2015, because they were an expansion team. They went with a bunch of St. Louis guys who they knew who were a bunch of known quantities, and then you know they realized that you know they didn't calibrate for the league really well. Second year, they tried to do a bunch of changes. You know. They added Irvin Herrera, who scored a bunch of goals for them, didn't improve much in the standings. They bring in, you know, probably the best free agent coach as far as his USL pedigree is concerned. Mm. He brings in all of his guys. He says, we're going to win. I'm going to build my team. Like, we are going to be the Sacramento of the East. And, you know, the the the, the, the wheels fell off the car, you know, halfway through the race, if not yep. earlier. So, you know, sure. the St. Louis FC has, despite all of their good intentions or what optic-wise would have been good, you know, they have failed spectacularly. So, you know, even if they don't make the playoffs, there has to be some sense of, you know, you know, uh, you know, Sean Bercoloni is really improving, for example, or the defense looks better, you know, with Sam Fink up there, you know, they're, they're going to have to show we're making progress to where if we then only make three or four moves in the offseason, everybody gets a little bit better, a little bit healthier in 2019, we can make the playoffs. I think that'll be an acceptable 2018 result. But, you know, they're the the, the fans are getting restless and the Luligans deserve yeah. a lot better than what they've seen. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, we got off track there a little bit, but it's all right, because the last question I, I usually like to ask people um, is is one thing maybe not related to the team that I that I, you know, that we have them on to talk about, but just kind of a um, like a like a really interesting thing for 2018 that you're that you're curious about or that's really exciting as far as just the USL as a whole goes. 
Yeah, absolutely. So I guess I'll, I'll start on the the uh, on low dose with a little bit of that. I'm really curious to see you know what guys get loaned down and their impact. I think you might actually have a more stable loan system in terms of low dose. You know, does Higo Ariano get sent down? I think he's a really young, exciting player. Galaxy have their uh, second overall draft pick in the Super Draft, Tomas Arce, who might be a good center back option. So I think you know low dose has a lot of really young talent, and they kind of have a good trifecta between the USL guys, the academy guys, and other guys who might be available from the first team that's going to be fun to watch regardless of how good the team is stepping back to i realize i completely answered a question i wanted to answer and not the one you had um but i guess <laughs> no, it's, on, it's cool yeah on the on the usl level i'm just excited to see you know how the league continues to progress and everything you know we're moving in a direction towards usl d3 and you know that hasn't really kind of been decided in terms of what teams are maybe you know going down or staying up and what that looks like but you know the league continues to grow attendance it continues to get you know better and better i'm really excited to see, you know, how the TV broadcasts are improving over the course of the period of time. But just, you know, the fan, I say this as someone who is a converted um, who is a converted USL fan. I wrote an article as part of the Living Luligans on stluligans.com that you can go back and read. I think we published it maybe third or fourth to last uh, weekend of the regular season last year where I basically said, you know, I came in, you know, I was writing. I, I needed a separate outlet for my brain in grad school when I was finishing up in St. Louis. And, you know, I was writing about MLS. I was writing about the U.S. men's national team for last word. And it's like, oh, this is local soccer. I'll get a chance to cover it. I'm not that excited about it. It's not going to be that great great and I was mm. immediately proven I am I was happily proven wrong in terms of the fan culture the presence that you have online that you had in St. Louis that you had going on in Louisville Sacramento you know and all of the other expansion teams coming up you know we've seen you know on multiple levels in the pyramid you know the south be a really interesting hub I'm super excited to see what Nashville ends up being independent of how that relates to you know their expansion into MLS I'm really sure. excited to see what Birmingham City looks like um yeah. so you know I just think the league can continues to grow it continues to get better and better and i continue to be more impressed and pleasantly surprised with what the league's doing on and off the field i'm excited to see how that ha how that changes um and i guess one of my stickling points i guess with the usl that i'd like to see change you know if the usl is going to stick by their notion and all their press releases as one of the most highly regarded second division leagues in world football um is uh what they're doing on the soccer pacific stadium side i think um mm. i think uh louisville city is absolutely you know, setting up a model with what they're doing downtown. I really like what Charlotte Independence and Charleston have done as sort of the USL 1.0 teams to get their own home and be stable in that. But, you know, for USL to continue to grow and for American soccer to grow, I don't think you can have all of these teams playing on baseball stadiums, you know, with half-sodded, you know, infield, so to speak. Yeah. So on yeah. a bigger news, not off the field, you know, I'm really interested to see, you know, okay, Fresno, we're an expansion team. We're starting in a baseball stadium. Can we make the moves today you know, to where in the next couple of years we can start transitioning or make an announcement of having our own soccer Pacific stadium or moving to a facility that works a little bit better. So that's just a stickler for me. Um, sure. But, you know, that that's something that I'm really excited to see. And I think when we get to that point, I think you're going to have really, really healthy markets. You know, Phoenix did it in 28 days. Every single other expansion market, like <laughs> you have no excuse for in your fifth yeah. year of existence playing in a minor league ballpark. So um, yeah. that's, you know, one thing that I'm excited to see. And, you know, hopefully the league will continue to improve in that aspect sure uh matt real quick we'll get you out of here but uh but feel free to plug yourself and, and where people can interact with you 
on the internet uh, if if you know you're you're into that whole thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you can follow <laughs> me on Twitter at lws matt pollard. Uh, I just actually had a really interesting DM uh, with uh, one of the I'd say my harshest but fairest critics in terms of some of my writing. Where you know I told him that you know as long as you're not you know a butthole towards me and you're open minded, <laughs> I am willing to engage you. So if you absolutely think that I'm an idiot in anything that I write or anything that I tweet, feel free to engage me. Um, if you're gonna send any uh, dick pics or anything like that, please direct that to my other account um at lou coopers um but uh, on that note uh you know check out all of my written and audio work at last word on soccer um i mostly cover mls because i'm in an mls city but you know i talk about the colorado rapids uh the galaxy you know both los dos and the first team um i'll be hitting up you know my good buddy mark turner for a couple switchbacks game this season um you know, my old saying is if it's played on the North, if it's played in the 50 United States or in Canada on a rectangular pitch with 11 people aside and, and a spherical ball, um, I write about it and I talk about it. So, you know, anytime that there is a slow MLS weekend or I like a matchup a little bit better in USL, I'm going to be tweeting about that. Definitely going to be checking out what Cincinnati does. Definitely have to get more versed, um, you know, with the Western Conference. So the Sacramento's, the Cascadia's, um, you know, the, all the expansion teams in there, I'm going to be focused on them. A little bit more because you know the two teams that i cover and follow are in the western conference um i think that's pretty much it oh i guess uh check me out um on last word sc radio um where we uh, we're basically the extra time radio uh flagship podcast for last word on sports um and then if you're into the colorado rapids i also uh do a podcast uh, on them called Holding the High Line with at Rapids Rabbi, um, who will actually be moving to pittsburgh and will be coming river hounds rabbi uh for last word on soccer yeah that was a fun surprise. I didn't know that was. I don't follow him terribly. I mean, I didn't really have a reason to follow him terribly closely before, but uh, he popped up, and I went, "Oh, right on." Um, yes. So that was yeah. Uh, Matt, you're a consummate professional. You are a a bundle of energy and words, and I love it. Uh, and I, you know, thanks for thanks for coming on and talking one of the 25 teams that you cover. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Hit me up anytime no if you want me to come on and talk soccer and you know shoot the hey. scuttlebutt. The, uh, the door is always open, my friend. Excellent stuff. I don't know where we want to start. Uh, I, I suppose I'll just kind of open the floor to, to whoever wants to jump on. Uh, I, I, I could do it in reverse order of introduction, so I guess I'll start with Kev. Um, you know, guys, for, for all three of you, a little background about the team, you know, kind of your first year in the league, um, some general tactical information, and, and just kind of a, an overview of the side, if you, if you will. Okay, well, I guess since I'm going first... Um, our first year in the league was 2015. Um, we did, I think, okay that year playing what 28 games. I think we did 30, 35 points. Didn't make the playoffs, didn't make the playoffs in any other year. But you know, I don't think it's a team that's going to want it really aims to make the playoffs, they just kind of aim to try to develop players. Um, but I don't know why we're talking about the first year. So let's let's kind of talk about the players that are out, players that are coming back in. Um, Renico Clark was waived from the first team. That's kind of a big thing that happened. Um, not surprising. I apologize. I had to mute my phone and, and uh, cough there for a second. Didn't want to. Right. But anyway, so Clark got waived from the first team. That's kind of a big, was kind of a big deal around here because it wasn't surprising. It was expected, but still to see kind of. That talent, who did very well the first two years, despite injury, um, just did not put it together in the third year for some reason. Don't know what happened to him in 2017, but he just really kind of fell off the planet, and you know it sucks. So I, I hope I hope the best for him. Um, other players that we know for sure are gone: 
Russell Cicerone joined FC Cincinnati. Lillian Bijev joined Sacramento Republic. And Nico Brett joined the Pittsburgh Riverhounds. Um, the other players that we just kind of assume are gone because there was, you know, they don't announce anything. Um, they probably the only reason we probably even know about some of the other players. A Clark was first team, so we knew about that. The other one is the only reason why we know for sure they're out is because they joined another team. But other players that are out: um, Michael Amick, uh, Jonathan, uh, Shaquille Jimenez, Granito, Mohammed, um, Wade Hamilton. They're no longer listed on the roster, so we just assume that they're out, waived, released. You know, disappeared into the ethers of time. I don't know what happened to them. Um, some of them did okay last year, but I guess not enough to stick around. So, you know, just like any of the MLS two sides, you're going to have a lot of turnover every season as their objective is to try to find those diamonds in the rough and polish them in one single season to maybe sometimes two seasons, but really like they don't give them a lot of time. It's like, Hey, we're going to give you a run out, do the best you can. And if that's not good enough, bye-bye. <laughs> sure. Sure. So, the only team, the only players we have returning at all from last season, only seven, seven players total: Lamar Batista, Harold Hansen, Andre Lewis, Terrell Lowe, Max Ornstill, Augustine Williams, and Renzo Zambrano. Those are the only players returning. Um, Can you send us Kyle Bjornson? Because Seattle's really short on defenders right now, and they could use him back up here. I'm sure that that's probably he probably went back home. I'm surprised that they wouldn't. They wouldn't just sign him. He did uh, halfway decent for us last season. So, um, but yeah, he's gone. I haven't heard anything. I would assume that if if S two picked him up, that it would have been they would have said something or heard something. Um, but anyway, so other uh, first team players we got coming back that are probably going to be, um, what? You distracted me. Drop down. Oh, first team players. Yes. I mean, the first team players that, that spent a lot of time in 2017 and will probably jo- spend more time in 2018 with T2, um, Kendall McIntosh, uh, depending on the current goalkeeper injury situation, Gleason and Atnell and how that all is, um, Kendall McIntosh will probably spend most of his time as the starting keeper with T2. I don't know how it's going to work out this weekend um, with, you know, Atnell currently injured for sure. Gleason, I don't think, um, came out unscathed against New York Red Bulls, it sounded like. So, you know, anything can really happen. Um, Michael Farfan, he's probably going to be getting a lot of time with the first team, so we may not see him this year. Um, Bill Toiloma saw a lot of time with T2. Could see more time, but it kind of depends on how he falls on the depth chart. Um, he was actually on the bench against New York Red Bulls, so maybe we'll see Julio Cascante instead. I'm not sure. Um, Julio Cascante is a new first-team addition. Both him and, and Bill Toyoloma are young center backs, and I think T2 will probably always get one of them, but never both. Mm-hmm. I would just assume that T2 might get the one that doesn't make the 18. That's my assumption. We'll see. Victor Arboleda spent a lot of time with T2 as well, but he's also gotten some minutes off the bench, so we may not see him as much. But haven't seen hide nor hair of Jeremy Ababasi with the first team, so we'll probably see him back with T2, and that's probably so pretty good. So, you know, count, what, three of those five players? You know, you got about 10 players returning, which is not bad. Sure. But uh, we, do have, we do have a lot of exciting new new prospects, though, that, that have been signed already. Good man. Good man. Uh, Dave, um, you know, among other things for the Sounders, there's a, a, a change of venue. Um, but, you know, 
Um, so that's the one that immediately sticks out to me as, as a big deal um, for, for a variety of reasons. Um, and then, of course, yourself joining the broadcast team, I guess, if you really want to hype yourself right. up, is, is kind of the biggest move that, that Sounders made this year. Um, you know, but, but you know, a little background about the club and, and things like that. Maybe, uh, you know, what caused the move from uh, wherever you were? I, I don't know if it was, you know, Seattle proper or, or, uh, or a little bit outside of it, but to, over to Tacoma. Yeah, so Sounders 2 is in their third year. Their first two years, they played down at Starfire. Uh, that's the sports complex that has hosted Open Cup matches. Kevin and I know it well because we've enjoyed a few too many Sounders Timbers games there, <laughs> whether at lower level uh, pre-MLS or through the Open Cup. Uh, but one of the things that they discovered is that by having the USL team there, there just didn't there wasn't an audience, and it wasn't as professional as it needed to be mm. for these prospects to kind of get their exposure to the league. It's, it's, uh, I think Matt will talk to that. Uh, can talk to that a little bit where galaxy two just haven't drawn the audience. Although the players are fine. Um, they're just not getting fans and that creates a, a, an absence of pressure. <laughs> yeah. So what they've wanted to do is increase pressure. So they worked with the Tacoma Rainiers and mm. uh, the Rainiers in kind of a similar way to what's going on in Reno or Rio Grande Valley. Uh, the Rainiers run business operations now and the Sounders just focus on soccer. So they're going to be down at Cheney stadium in Tacoma. It's, it's what hosts the AAA Tacoma Rainiers. Uh, Tacoma is kind of a satellite suburb of Seattle, but a very large city on its own. Um, and uh, S2 will play there. That's one of the major changes. Another major change is that Ezra Hendrickson, who was the head coach for Sounders 2 the previous two years, is now uh, with the Galaxy down in that organization. So assistant coach John Hutchison, who joined late last year, is now the head coach. And then Wade Weber will step up from being the U18, U19 coach at the academy. He's now the assistant coach for Sounders 2, which will work out well because Sounders 2 has uh, – I think my last check was like six teenagers on professional contracts. Some of them uh, as young as 15. So uh, it's a very young squad. Um, one of their, their two, their only two signings this off or three, they had three signings this off season. One's Ray Serrano. He signed from the U 16s. He's only 15 years old. He's an attacking midfielder forward that, um, Academy players uh, down there can't stop him from scoring, so he needs to be pressed and forced to improve. Mm -hmm. They signed a, a kid out of Nigeria who was part of their U20 um, system at various points. His name is Ibrahim Usman. He's like six foot one, but a left back. And then they signed Nick Hines from Akron. Um, he is a left back, left mid. The quick and dirty version on him is think DeAndre Yedlin, but on the left. Mm. Um, he's all about speed, uh, the ball at his feet. And, um, well, I mean, he came from the Sounders Academy in Akron, so it, it's pretty easy to say really fast guy. That's a fullback. Maybe a midfielder is DeAndre Yedlin, but Heinz kind of fits that mold. So those are the, th the three new kids. Um, all of them are under the age of 20. They bring back veteran leadership in David Olson. Um, a former academy player that played at both Seattle U and San Diego State, Ray Sari and Felix Narbonne. Felix Narbonne, uh, people from the from the USL show probably know because he used to be with FC Cincinnati. Uh, he's a fringe Panamanian national team player. 
even though his only professional experience is at the USL level. Uh, he's one of their two defensive midfielders. And then uh, the guys really to watch, um, to pay the most attention to this year, the returning players of Sam Rogers, center back with the USU 20s, and Ezreal Gonzalez, who is just 16 years old now. And last year, he was the youngest kid to sign a professional contract with the Sounders. Uh, but he's no longer that because Ray Serrano is even younger. So that's kind of the short list. There's uh, 13 or 12 guys on roster right now. They don't have a keeper on roster. They don't have enough center backs to field a full team because Sam Rogers is going to be with the U20s. Um, so he won't be at the game Friday. I have no idea who's going to fill in for him. Who would be kind of the one to watch if, you know, if, uh, if I'm not familiar with your team, who's kind of the standout guy out of, out of your USL guys or your, even your academy kids? Um, that you think has a shot of, of really playing well and, and either, you know, putting a big dent in the USL this year or even has an outside chance to make the first team come, you know, October, November uh, into the offseason you know, for, for 2019 at that point it would be, I suppose. Do you want to do you wanna just want me to say, like, who might be exciting or or all seven of the additions that they signed? No, tell me all seven, and then out of that lot, or if there's guys that you didn't bring up, or if there's guys, you know, if there were guys that were on the team before, feel free to feel free to shout them out. Well, seven of the new signings that they made: um, Derrickson uh, Welto, he's a Honduran forward. Uh, we also signed Marvin Loria on loan from Saprisa. Um, he's a left winger, so a couple of attacking players there. Um, got a couple of college kids: Christian Enriquez and Devin Jamga. Um, got ourselves a goalkeeper in Alex Mangles. Um, and then we also got a pair of defenders in Josh Phillips and um, Matt might recognize this name, Nathan Smith. Since Nathan Smith was previously with Los Angeles Galaxy last season. As yes, he and he is the yellow card machine. <laughs> Ooh, fun. Fantastic, I guess. I'm not sure. it be fun. Well, it might be nice to have a little, little bite in, in mm. the defense, I guess. Yeah. Um, but I don't feel bad like... This stuff has been it was announced about a week earlier than it was last year. Um, last year, T2 announced their signings like the day before the season started, so kind of nice to actually have something to work with. And and from what Matt and, and Dave have said, you know, we sweet, I think we've got our defense kind of figured out. We've got you know, uh, let's see, two, three, four, probably at least four center backs just on T2, so that's good. Um, there guys you go. can play, guys can play the outside and inside, so. Uh, I think we'll be covered. Um, some new first-team players that I would expect to see with T2 um, at some point this season, maybe some more than others. Um, Julio Cascante is a, a potential center back we might see. Modu Judama, I would expect to see with T2 a lot, signed to the first team from Tulsa, so he's got USL experience. Um, Foster Langsdorf, our homegrown player, we'll definitely see him with T2. I don't, I wouldn't expect to see him with the Timbers at all. And then uh, Eric Williamson. U.S. under-20 midfielder. We uh, got him from D.C. and haven't seen him to the first team, so I'd expect to see him at T2. And then of all those players that T2 signed, I think Derrickson and Marvin are probably the two that have, like, the highest chance right now of potentially, like, they'll be with the players to see if they get played. I mean, two years ago, we had like four really exciting players and two of them are dropped in the middle of the season. The other two went on to earn first team contracts. So, you know, 50, 50% chance. Maybe this time one of them will actually make it to a first team contract and one of them gets dropped, but we'll see how it all goes. It, again, like all the two teams like to just kind of like play the numbers game, you know, <laughs> go and kind of grab whoever they can and just throw them against a wall and see who sticks. 
for sure, for sure. I'll just take. I'll keep going. So some other, yeah, some other interesting news because people would rather listen to T- about T two than S two, right? Uh, oh, I wasn't oh, gonna oh, make. No, no, he's not coming back. He's not coming back. So, uh, anyway, so T two gets to return to Merlot Field this year. That's exciting. Yeah, eight, welcome, welcome eight, back to that. Yeah, eight of the seventeen home games they're gonna be split between Merlot Field and Providence Park. So eight at Merlot and nine at Providence Park. I think they'll probably see. And a then lot there's there. the permanent move off of that, right? No, I don't. No. I haven't heard anything of a permanent move. You're just gonna you're just gonna keep splitting the season. I'm not sure what their plan is in 2019. Mm-hmm. It's literally kind of a surprise that they're even going back to Merlot Field to begin with, which it's just nice to see. I think they'll have a better atmosphere and some better um, attendance when on those games they play at Merlot. Fair, um, yeah, yeah. It's one of those then, things where there's a really good case study to be done on on distancing your your USL side from your MLS side, I guess. Yeah, and then and then the other thing we can't possibly go this whole show without mentioning um, FC St. Pauli is going to visit Portland. Yeah, one, was, yeah. one of only two places they're going to come and play in the states: Portland and then Detroit City FC. They're going to play. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going to so T two will visit or T two will host FC St. Pauli on Tuesday, May twenty second at Providence Park, um, and that's that's a huge team. I mean, it's a well known team across even even though that they're they're two Bundesliga. Um, they're very well known because they have a very distinctive culture, um, you know, a supporters culture that a lot of people I think appreciate, um, support, like, and and I think a lot of our groups, particularly the Timbers Army, but you know maybe even the Seattle guys and stuff too, they all kind of emulate how SC St. Pauli, um, you know, just support and treat people like human beings. So it's always always sure. good to see clubs like clubs like that. Yeah. I'm pretty excited for for T2, by the way, that being at Merlot uh, with that kind of historical stadium and its legacy around college college soccer, it's going to be great seeing them there for several games. Um, it, it's going to so be good excited to learn that. Yeah. And the St. Pauli news is just extraordinary um, to get that that level of organization to do a friendly with a USL team is pretty awesome. Yeah. So. Well, and then and I then, got to hear a lot of Kevin, so <laughs> th- that was great. Well, I, was, I mean, I, I I I up my knowledge on on T uh, two. I know, I know, so, it's Tuesday night, but if you want to come down to Portland on a Tuesday night, you know the FC St. Pauli tickets are only going to be they're only going to be ten dollars, and some of those proceeds are going to go to support the uh, IRCO. Wow! So mm, very cool, um, Dave. Now that I can hear you and everything. Um, y- Anybody out of that group for the new guys in Sounders too? I, I have a sneaking suspicion you're going to say uh, the gentleman you compared to one DeAndre Yedlin would be one that you're interested in in seeing and hoping that he'll progress uh, and at least make a, a good den in USL. If not, you know, maybe make his way up to, to Sounders proper. Well, I actually think Nick Hines is a good year from mm-hmm. being away from the first team. Um, I think a, a USL fan should pay attention to Sam Rogers and David Olson. Both of them are also from the Sounders Academy, and um, for various reasons, they could wind up on the first team during this season. Uh, Sam Rogers is a USU 20 center back. Uh, He was signed straight out of high school. He gave up a scholarship to Villanova to instead sign for S2 last year. Uh, He is still 18, turns 19 um, in May and has the frame already to be an MLS center back. Uh, really what he's working on is his tactical reading of the game. And eventually 
he's not going to get those tests at the USL level and will just have to have to play up. So I would look for him as a possibility for a midseason call. And then David Olson, is, they were using him at midfield last year. The kid's a natural forward. It's what he did when he was with the academy. Uh, in his junior year, his, his academy partner was Jordan Morris. And in his senior year, he was a better goal scorer than Shea Adekoya who left UCLA to sign with the, the Seattle Sounders first team. It's a, he has to put in the work and he has to be a forward. But if he puts in the work um, at forward, he could be getting a midseason call. And some of that might just be because the Seattle Sounders don't have any forwards on their roster. And he's a speedy guy. So that's something that they could look for. Sure, this be, not to make this an MLS show, but with the, with the Jordan Morris injury, I'm sure that, that pushes him up a little bit in the depth chart. It gives him the opportunity. He just needs to take advantage of it. Sure. And, uh, the two USL guys that I think um, could find their way to independent teams this year, kind of like Irvin Para did last season when it was when Seattle decided he wasn't an MLS player, but he went on to have a great, great second half of the year with uh, Orange County. Is both uh, Ray Sari and Francisco Norbon. They're the two holding midfielders here. They're really good. I just don't think they're going to unseat Christian Roldan, Alex Roldan, Osvaldo Alonso, Gustav Svensson. Um, when those are, you know, the only one of those that they could surpass um, in a reasonable expectation is Alex Roldan. That's a lot of uh, kind of all-star and big MLS money blocking them. So they're guys that might just have to have mm -hmm. fortunes at the independent USL level, whether that, you know, I could see them jumping around. Narbonne, as I discussed earlier, used to be with FC Cincinnati. So there's an opportunity if Seattle decides that they aren't, going to be MLS quality just because the amount of money that Seattle puts into their their squad uh, those are guys that USL fans should expect to see jumping to one of those teams that spends a little bit more than an MLS 2 side and sure. can give them the opportunity to be fully professional athletes um, mm -hmm. those are kind of the four that I would focus on for this year there are a bunch of teenagers who next season could make the leap but um, if I was a USL fan those are the ones that I'd watch well uh, Dave and Kev, I mean, there's an obvious rivalry between the, the, the two teams that you represent, not the two of you um, personally. I'm about to unearth something I don't want to get into, but besides that, uh, any other teams kind of in the Western Conference that you guys, you know, either look forward to playing, you know, in, in, in the way that it's just a good matchup or, or even, you know, just teams that you actually don't get along with for whatever reason. I know there's a third Cascadia team that doesn't exist anymore in the USL, but, you know, um, besides those. I don't know. I'd, I look to Sacramento and LA too as kind of the standards in the, in the USL West. Uh, Sacramento because they've been to the final often enough. And LA too because they're probably the example of how to both win games and develop talent, even though their first team doesn't keep and around quite the frequency that I would like, um, they win games and they have a lot of kids out of the academy. So for me, those are the two that when I think about who to judge S2 by, I would compare to one of those two teams um, myself. The, the only real rivalry for S2 at this point is, is T2. Um, the Vancouver-Seattle rivalry is rather friendly. Um, and Kevin could tell you that's probably true for Portland and Vancouver as well. So having having them not around, not a big deal. Um, it really is. If uh, <laughs> um, it's one of those and, things where it's like, oh, Vancouver Whitecaps too went away. 
okay. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Kind of how yeah. I feel like the rest of the East felt about Orlando moving or, or leaving. We were just kind of like, all right, that's, that's fine. But, I mean, here's the other thing, too, with S2 and T2 in particular. I think, I mean, yes, there's a rivalry, but it's not it's not nearly as, like, kind of ingrained as the main Portland versus Seattle is. Mm. It's it just, it just kind of draws on the fact that it's Portland versus Seattle. So even though it's the second teams, it's, you know, it's still a rivalry. It's still a, a big deal. But it really, like, it, it it's just, it, and it's through no fault of the fans or the teams. It's just... You know the rivalry does exist, but it's just not as important as the big game, the big teams. You know, the mm-hmm. and, and I'll tell you why. Because if it was T two versus S two on Mother's Day, my wife would be like, "No, you have to stay home. It's Mother's Day. It's my <laughs> day. Whatever." But when Seattle comes to Portland on Mother's Day, and she never lets me see an MLS game on Mother's Day, that's the game where she's like, "All right." We'll go. We'll go to that game on Mother's Day to give you an idea of how important the big game is. Sure. There's just not the level of vitriol, and maybe that's a good thing because, you know, as, as both uh, both of us have discussed, there's a lot of teenagers on both teams, <laughs> and uh, while we want to I- ingrain the youth with uh, with our rivalry, um, it might not be the most appropriate time to uh, to go as as, as full throated when we're talking about playing 15 and 16 year olds out there, but, but they can't be charged as an adult as an adult. Right. (laughs) That's how I'm I'm talking about the players. uh, Oh, I know. So was I. Okay. (laughs) Um, yeah, it was a very, like, you, you know, you can't have an adult hit your Academy kid because then it's assault or whatever. Right. Is that how that works? Yeah. 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 Pretty much. Something like that. I don't think we've assaulted any players. That's good. That's good. In this rivalry yet. Yeah. There's time. There's always time. Well, there's yeah, decades. Yeah. There's decades of more yeah. more rivalry to build upon. I'm sure someday down the road someone's gonna hit somebody. It'll be it'll be fun. Sort of. It'll be great. Not. It'll really put you guys on the map because you, you, you both really need help between the sounders and the timbers, you know. No one knows who they are. So that's that's good. Um uh, you know, anything just kind of as a, a fan, I, I'm hoping or assuming, of USL itself, you know, seeing from USL in, in 2018 in, in this season? Uh, one of the things I'm interested in is just there's more teams and new teams and teams are trying it's to true. do things differently. Um, you know, uh, I think Las Vegas is a great example. They're not taking this seriously. They're having fun. And I think that's great. And I, I think that the expansion of these, uh, these kind of hybrid arrangements uh, like S2 is going to have and Reno, Rio Grande, I think we're going to see more of those over time. So um, I thought Vegas being, was taking this. I love what they're doing. I think like <laughs> put like put more like put cattle in your lineup next time. Like just every single home game, walk out with different farm animals um, that would as be, your 12th and 13th player. I would actually, Freddie would do like riding a, a camel or something onto the field. That would be you know, like, just have fun with it. And I think that, that it, it's, it's great. We're seeing so many teams that look like um, fringe MLS markets, uh, whether mm-hmm. they make it or not. Uh, uh, I think that that's good for this league. I think it's good to see 
um, more professional soccer out there. Uh, yeah. That's a key. And I think it's good to get more teenagers that are finding out that they aren't good students, but they're good soccer players. So they can, uh, they can find a future doing that, you know, like yeah. let's stop forcing bad students to go to the NCAA. If you're not a good mm-hmm. student, don't go to college. I was sadly neither a good enough student or a good enough soccer player to, to skip either of those things. So, um, I, I mean, I really missed the boat on that end. Um, both for you personally your way into the Sounders organization and then like just become their, their marketing head. No, uh, okay. I think they've passed that. They've passed up that opportunity a lot of times. Mm-hmm. I, I just love, I love soccer and uh, they're not using me as a kind of a professional. They're using me to be entertaining and to provide an analysis that's different than what a former player can, can do. So sure, sure. that's kind of my goal. They reach out to me. And uh, I'll be the third voice on the broadcast. It's going to be very interesting for me because uh, a lot of what this show has been for me is research for Friday night because I don't know a lot about T2, but I do know there will be a lot more T2 fans listening to the Friday night broadcast than there are S2 fans because uh, they're going to have 6,000 some uh, S2 fans in the stadium. So nice. um, all, all the T2 fans are going to be listening on the, you know, a few dozen will come up. That's always going to happen. But the vast majority of Timbers fans are going to be listening. And so hopefully I can find a way to, to give a little bit of insight uh, to those people and people around USL as to who on the Timbers to pay attention to. So who on. The, yeah. I, I, for one, will be listening and oh I, God. Will also, I will also be judging. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm ready for that. <laughs> I, and, and that'll be good. You know, I, 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 I know the guys over at Stumptown Footy. We've uh, we've worked together as rivals, if that makes sense, for some time now. And I, I mean, I know for a fact I'm going to have to go to that uh, that live thread, game thread, whatever you guys call it, and uh, take the heat because uh, I'll deserve it and I'll want to learn. Because, um, you know, I'll, I'll be frank. I, I, there's enough people out here to give me feedback, but. I'll need the honest criticism that's available from other places. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, totally. Um, real quick, I'm going to plug the, the show stuff and then uh, and Dave, I'll let you have at it and then we can get out of here. Uh, follow us at the USL show. Um, myself at Valella BSFC, uh, V is a maker. I L L E L is over at, uh, came at Camish PDX. Uh, also check out our website, the USL show.com. That's where you can find the podcast before it goes live. Any other place you like your podcast, iTunes, Stitcher, Google play, all that fun stuff. Patreon.com backslash the USL show or on our website, there's a button that says Patreon. Click that support us financially. If you'd like, if not, no big deal. Harry, thanks for your, for your donation this month. You, you joined on, um, which that always freaks me out when people support us that way. Cause it's really not one of those things I ever thought I could get people to do. So I, I seriously, seriously appreciate that. Also a link to our friends at Soccer Loco. If you need um, replica kits or even like, you know, actual soccer playing equipment like boots and shin guards and all that fun stuff, check those guys out. USLshow.com. There's a little box that says Soccer Loco. Click that. Uh, shop to your heart's content. We get a little kickback from that. Anyway, uh, that should be it for my plugs. Dave, where should people find you if they don't already know how to do so? Uh, at Sounded Heart is probably the best place to find me. Um, cause I write there and that's where 
you only find soccer stuff. If you follow my personal Twitter, you'll get way too much D and D and beer talk. Um, mm-hmm. But that's at better than B E D I R T H A N. And uh, yeah, those are the the two places. I was gonna make a terrible joke about how you were like USL's resident dungeon master and only rolled D twenties, but then I realized like my mom listens to this and that would completely confuse the hell out of her. So I I decided to table it. But feel free to steal that for your broadcast if you want to tell everyone that you. Okay, did Kevin drop too? No, I'm here. No, he's still here. You know, thank God. I'm sorry. Uh, I I have a question for him. Okay, sure. I I have a quick question for him, just for for Friday night. Um, with the just the keeper situation, can you just review what's going on there? I know Gleason started uh, this weekend, this past weekend at the MLS level. But I thought he would be getting most of the USL starts. So, where who should I be doing research on uh, for keeper on Friday night? Um, probably our new keeper, Alex Mangles, actually. Um, okay. And that would be M A N G A L S, I believe. Um, he played for Tulsa in 2016, and then played one game for the San Francisco Deltas last season. So. Um, might be kind of hard to get some information on him. I know it was hard for me to dig up. But the reason why I'm suggesting him is because Attendella is injured. So Gleason is the starter. Um, because he because I think I think he's just gonna he I think right now he's the backup, but um that puts basically Kendall McIntosh at, on the bench. So he shouldn't be with T2. Um although if we don't actually since, since I, it now occurs to me, there actually is no um, MLS game this weekend. Yeah, there's no MLS game this weekend. So actually, Kendall McIntosh might actually start with T2. Okay. But, but I mean, yeah, Kendall, get... Kendall McIntosh and Alex Mangles, look for those two um, as the keepers to start potentially for T2. Perfect. Appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Dave, thanks for coming on. Um, always a pleasure to talk. Uh, to anyone that really knows what they're they're talking about, um, let alone people that have had their catchphrases, you know, put on the back of their team's kit. So, um, yeah, th- thanks for coming on, and you know, feel free to hop on uh, whenever you'd like, really within reason. And um, you know, best of luck with uh, with Sounders too, and the uh, the announcing gig there. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah, no worries.